praise ye the Lord. Good evening, everyone. How do you do? It's nice to see you. We thank God for life. And that's a very serious statement. I frequently say, every night we go to bed, what are we expecting to do? Wake up in the morning. Tell me if I'm right. Every morning, in hospitals, nursing homes, on the street, people are found dead. Who went to bed expecting to wake up. Of all ages, if you are alive, thank God for life. Can you say amen? amen? But also consider, God does not give us one more day of life to live rebellious lives against him. He gives us one more day of life to do what's pleasing in his sight. Welcome those of you coming in. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Who among us is not a Seventh-day Adventist? May I see your hand? Ah, give us your name, my young brother. What's your name? What's the name? No, no, right in front. Jason. What's your name? Anthony, that's my middle name. Anybody else? You're not a Seventh-day Adventist. Can I see your hand? I want your name. You are not your guest, your visitor. Are you a visitor? No, you're not. <laughs> okay. Jason, Anthony, thank you very much for coming. And if there's some shy visitor who will not raise his or her hand, thank you also for joining us. And I say it with my eyes open as a prayer. May the Lord bless you, bless your family, and put a double blessing on your children. And for those of you online who are not Seventh-day Adventists, your guests, thank you so much for taking the time to fellowship with us, and may God bless you. All right, what's our theme for this series of meetings? There's hope, and there really is. If you believe in the concept of God, if you believe that he has a manual for successful living, you will believe there is hope. And throughout this series, we hope to increase your faith in this hope which God gives to us. Before I get into the message for this evening, it is now 20 minutes to 5 to 6. Oh, sorry. I will release you by 6.30. Is that excessive? Is that okay? 6.30. Possibly before I will see how the Spirit of God leads me. Before I get into the message, which is entitled, Coming and Going, I want you to uh, manage your devices. Let me check on mine. Mine is still on. I was doing some reading. Now it's off. So you don't have to say, physician, heal thyself. And I ask you to turn yours off if you're not using it. But if you are using it, make sure the sound is down. You surely would not let your phone ring in a courtroom in front of an earthly judge. We are in the presence of the judge of all the earth. So that request is in the interest of reverence. Favor number two, while I'm speaking, pray for me and say, Lord, put your words in that man's mouth. My opinions have no saving value. Now, I like them understand me clearly. I'm very fond of my opinions, but they have no saving value. And so I want you from time to time to say where you are in your heart, God, please put your words in that man's mouth. That request is based on Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 9. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in thy mouth, and I truly want to speak God's words. And favor number three, I want you to think. Isaiah 1.18, come now, let us do what? Reason together. God is a reasonable God. He calls upon us, come, let us reason together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege, the honor of calling you Father. Thank you to God for the unrestricted access we have to you through Christ. As we bow in your presence, if we've sinned against you, forgive us, dear God. Truly, our only problem is sin. Now, Father, possess me 
all my faculties. Speak through me. Use my hands. Use my mind. Use my mouth. Let me be simply an instrument in your hand, dear God. Play me as a maestro plays an instrument. Father, help me to listen to the Spirit when he says, say this or don't say that. Grant me the humility of Christ to listen. Put a special blessing on all our guests today, God. Two have identified themselves. Jason and Anthony, bless them. But there are others, I'm sure, bless them equally, Father. Bless our online audience today, God. Now, Father, do with me as you will, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Go with me to Matthew chapter 4. We read verse 17, very simple verse. Matthew chapter 4, and I read usually from the King James Version of the Bible. I study from others, but my favorite for public presentation and for memorization is the King James Version. I just happen to love the language. It is poetic. Do you have Matthew chapter 4? Do you have verse 17? Well, some of you are still looking. I'll give you five seconds to find it. Four, three, two, one. Some of you need five more seconds. Take them. Come on, find Matthew 4, verse 17. Do you have it now? From that time forth began Jesus to preach and to say what? Repent, why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does at hand mean? It's near. Listen again, microscopically to the words. From that time forth, that's all he began to say. Really, it was the central feature of his preaching. Repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Go to Matthew 3. We read from verse 1. We listen to another character in the Bible who came just before Christ and did a work to prepare Christ for his work. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying what? Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes. What John preached, Jesus preached. Let us go to Mark chapter 6. Mark 6. We have Mark 6. These are the disciples now whom Jesus sent out. Read verse 12 of Mark 6. What does that say? And they went out and preached. Men should we? Yes, they went out and preached that men should repent. Now, let's look at the time after Jesus went back to heaven. Go to the book of Acts chapter 2. Christ has gone back to heaven according to the biblical record. What did the disciples say when he was gone? In Mark 6 verse 12, we read what they said while he was still on the earth. But what did they say when he was gone? Acts chapter 2, we'll read 37, 38. Peter is preaching. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter, unto the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, what? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist said, repent. Jesus said, repent. repent. The disciples, while Christ was on the earth, said, repent. After he left, they said, repent. Clearly, repentance is a central teaching of the gospel. Repent of what? Sin. It's the only thing to... Re you don't repent of being bald. Are you following me? You don't repent of being short. You don't repent of being broke. You don't repent of being unattractive. You repent of sin because that is the only problem and christ came to deliver us from that problem because the wages of sin is death let me say that again the wages of sin is death let me show you something about the goodness of god go with me to genesis chapter one we'll read from verse one our subject coming and going and I'll reveal to you momentarily why I chose that subject. Now, you can't have a difficulty finding Genesis 1. Do you have it now? Genesis 1, we'll read from verse 1. The Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. 
And then the rest of the chapter itemizes what God did on what day and how he did it merely by the Bible says, and God said, and God said this, the word of God created heaven and earth. Now let's read verse 31 of Genesis 1. Verse 31 of Genesis 1. Do you have that? You may read with me if you so desire. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. How did God describe his creation? Very good. That included light on the first day, firmament on the second day, separating water from dry land, and vegetation on the third day, sun, moon, and stars on the fourth, fish, birds on the fifth, land animals on the sixth, human beings on the sixth. It also covered the union between Adam and Eve, which God supervised and directed. All of that was good. It also covered the fact that God brought all the animals to Adam and told him to name them, and God did not change one name, because the mind of Adam and the mind of God were so united. By the way, that's possible for us today. Despite the fact we have a corrupt nature, it is possible to have that union with God that our choices are God's choices. Somebody say amen. All of that is covered by, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. But even though the environment was very good, no flaws, no blemishes, no shortcomings, listen to chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. What's our subject? Coming and going. Do you have chapter 2? Verse 16 and verse 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. Finish the verse. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. You tell your boy, he's 12, you'll be home by 8. If you're not here by eight, when you do get home, <laughs> you shall surely die. <laughs> what is that that you've given your boy? It starts with a W. That's the only clue I'll give you. A warning. A warning. Now, let us go back to the Garden of Eden, which was described as very good. In that very good environment, God introduces a warning. By the way, this warning is the very first recorded statement in the Bible that God ever spoke to humanity. In other words, the first recorded words of God to humankind constituted a warning. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. You can do this, but don't do that. Are you with me or are you sleeping with your eyes open? You can do this, but don't do that. And God hasn't changed. Now, this is not strange. Do you not tell the same things to your children? Mm -hmm. You go to the store, and they say, you break it, you buy it. Am I right? <laughs> Have you ever seen that? You break it, you buy it. In other words, don't touch it. You drive down the street, stop. You disobey, the policeman comes to get acquainted. Of every tree of the garden thou mayst freely eat. God gives us freedom that's limited for our own good. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, Adam and Eve had a choice. What were the two choices? One, eat, come on, don't eat. Eat and, don't eat and, mm-hmm. Give me another word for eat, disobey. Give me another word for don't eat, obey. In other words, obey and disobey and it's as simple as that. In other words, there are two classes of people in the eyes of God. Not Americans, South Koreans, Palestinians, and Japanese. Obey and disobey. Go to Matthew 25. As quickly as you can. The first gospel, Matthew was a tax collector. In other words, before he met Christ, he was a thief. 
He really was, but he met Jesus, and Jesus converted him to the extent he became the first gospel writer, or the first book recorded, first of the gospels recorded. The first gospel is sometimes viewed as Mark, but the first one in the chronological order is Matthew. Matthew 25, let's read from verse 31. Our subject, coming and going. And we're moving into explanation of that subject. Let me pray again. Holy Father in heaven, I ask you for fresh anointing of your spirit, because I cannot convict any heart. I cannot move any person. That's your spirit's work. Let him speak through me, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 25, reading from verse 31. When you found it, say amen. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as the shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats. And he shall set his sheep on the right hand, and the goats on the left. Then, verse 34, shall the king say unto them, Where? On his right hand. Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now let's read that again. Come ye blessed. The question becomes, who is blessed? Go to Psalm 119. Do not lose Matthew 25. Put one finger in Matthew 25. Let's go to Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. We read the very first verse. Our question, who are the blessed? Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk what? In the law of the Lord. Give me one word for that. Blessed are the obedient. Now go back to Matthew. Well, before we go to Matthew 25, let's go to the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22. Revelation 22, let's read verse 14. Our subject, coming and going. It is now... Seven minutes to six. I will release you before 6.30. I'll try to keep my word. Do you have Revelation 22? You have verse 14. You may read with me. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. A blessing is pronounced on those who obey. Now, Matthew 25, verse 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father. Now, let's say that again. This time we'll give it the sunrise revised version. Are you with me? Let's see who's the most intelligent person in this room. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye. Ah, who said that? I like that person. Come ye obedient. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you, how far back? From the foundation of the world. Now, go to verse 41. Remember, there are two groups. What are they in the passage we've read so far? The sheep and the goats. Now, we know the shepherd put his sheep on the right. Verse 34 says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand. Those are the sheep. Verse 41. Read with me. Then shall he say also unto them on his left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed stop. Who are the cursed? The disobedient. You don't need a degree in rocket science. The disobedient. Depart from me, ye cursed. Now, let's go back to 34. Read it again. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father. Who does the blessing? Yes, read microscopically. The Father, come ye blessed of my Father. Now read verse 41. Depart from me, ye cursed. Who does the cursing? The Father. He curses, disobedient. He blesses, the obedient. Let's finish verse 41. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, reserved, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, Christ came to keep you from that. Because it's coming. The Bible says the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night because most people will not be expecting it. So God has put a burden on preachers to warn people there's something called the return of Jesus Christ. And don't be so wrapped up in day-to-day -day survival that you forget Christ is coming again. This is Florida. Am I right? This is sunrise. Am I right? And you're fairly close to Fort Lauderdale. I flew into Fort Lauderdale. Now, 
earlier, a few months ago, you were making preparations for what? Hurricanes. <laughs> so what did you do? You bought water. If you had a store, you boarded it up right or wrong. If you're on the coast, you bought sandbags. You're making preparations for the coming storm. I'm from Michigan. In the winter, we make preparations for snow. We make sure we have ice, uh, salt, to put on the sidewalks so that the snow melts. If there's a blizzard coming, we make sure we have some provisions because we'll be shut in. The snow can be several feet high. You walk outside, you can't even see your car. You don't have those delights in Florida. But we make preparations. I love California very much. I have precious friends. I wouldn't live there because there's no warning for earthquakes. <laughs> They're just hit. And that's it. But we make preparations when we know a disaster is coming. Let's go to Second Peter chapter 3. We'll read from verse 10. What's our subject? Coming and before we go to Second Peter, let's stay in Matthew 25. What's the first word that the king utters in Matthew 25, 34? No, no, the first word the king utters. Come. What's our subject? Go to verse 41. What's the first word the king utters to that group? Depart. What's our subject? Coming and going. To which group do you want to belong based on all that I've said? The coming. Mm -hmm. the, not the going. The coming. Come to Christ. Come to life. Come to security. Come to everlasting life without sickness, pain, death. That's coming. The blessed hope. It's more certain than Christmas is coming on September, uh, December 25. Now, we go to 2 Peter chapter 3. We read from verse 10. Now, subject coming and going. 2 Peter chapter 3, reading from verse 10. I ask you this morning, please, when I go too quickly because of excitement, what are you supposed to say? You haven't said it yet. I still love you despite your stubbornness. All right, do you have 2 Peter 3? From verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In the which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, come on, shall be burned up. Stop. The physical earth will be burned. What are the works? Let me tell you, since you're pretending not to know. The bars, the whorehouses, the casinos, the pubs. We don't have pubs in the United States. We have bars. Okay. Pubs for England, same thing. The, uh, the football stadium, the wrestling stadium, the, uh, the call girl center, the call boy center. Burned up. The activity and the practitioners. The earth also and the works that are in shall be burned up. Now the next verse. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Since you know that's coming. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and God? How should you live the Bible says. You know a hurricane is coming to Fort Lauderdale. You know that. It's 200 miles off the coast of Roberta, Cuba. It's coming. Yeah. And the Bible asks an intelligent question. If you know that, how should you live? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements melt with fervent heat. The Bible asks, how should we live? Since we know, based on the word of God, that does not lie, that a catastrophe is coming. Let me take you back to Genesis. Chapter 3, we read from verse 17, no, from verse 16 of Genesis 3. We discovered in Genesis 2, 17, in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God uttered one punishment for sin, and that is death. But let me tell you something. Death has activities associated. There is dead and there is dying. Am I right? There is dead, which is the conclusion of dying. So my, my father, who's 90 or 98, 99, he passed away long ago. This is hypothetical. He's in a hospital with incurable disease. He is dying. 
And I as a loving son hope the day will come when he will cease his suffering when he will actually die. But he is dying. All right. Now, verse 16 of Genesis 3. Keep this in mind. There's dead and there's dying. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Painful childbirth is the result of sin. Every woman who screams in delivery is suffering the consequence of sin. Now God didn't say in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt produce painfully. He didn't say that. But this is a side effect of the central curse, which is death. Now we go to verse 17. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Go on. Curse is the ground for thy sake. The ground is cursed. Mm-hmm. It's cursed. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Hard work. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth unto thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. All of that are outgrowths, expressions of the central curse, death. In other words, a world with thorns, a world with thistles, a world with people in pain is what kind of a world? A dying world. It's a dying world on the way to death. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth unto thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field in the sweat of thy face. How many of you have two, three jobs to support your families? Don't tell me. I grew up in that environment. Mothers hustling to put clean uniforms on their children, working two, three jobs to keep them in school in the sweat of thy face. It was never God's will that people work hard, work well, but not labor. That's the result of sin. It is an expression of a dying world on its way to death. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, which is the end of it all. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Verse 18, thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth unto thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Now, as I said, there's a rose bush in the front of my house. It's a remarkable bush. Most of the year, it looks absolutely dead. In the summer, it produces roses. And I'm always amazed it looks dead and lifeless, but I've got to be careful how I reach for the roses. Why? Thorns. Thorns did not grow in trees before Adam sinned. They are the result of sin. <laughs> Listen. Oh, thank you. That's encouraging. Listen to me carefully. Anything touched by sin has to end. Now, it may take thousands of years. But ultimately, it must come to an end. Because God never intended sin to last forever. He intended obedience to last forever. Let me explain. Let the Bible explain that. Let me pray again. Father... Help me to make it as simple as I possibly can. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Go to Genesis 3. <clears throat> it is now five after something. Six, all right. That's good. <laughs> what book did I say? Genesis, what chapter? Three. Three. All right, let's go to verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and do what? Live forever? Before he does that, says God, we can't let that happen. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. Verse 24, so he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Don't come near this tree because if they had eaten in this sinful state, they would have lived forever. And God does not want a sinner living forever. And so he drove them out to get them out from the tree of life. 
For those churches who preach, sinners will burn forever in hell, it goes contrary to the very early teaching of the Bible. A person burning forever is not dead. And the wages of sin is death. And God teaches us, I do not want a sinner living forever. Get them away from the tree of life. Verily, verily. What's our subject? Coming and going. To the obedient, what will the king say? Come. To the disobedient, go or depart. Yes. My brothers and sisters, it'll be a sad day. But no one can charge God with being unfaithful and not issuing warnings. Go to Genesis 6. Genesis 6, we'll read from verse 1. By the way, when I keep saying God in this presentation, I'm referring to Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Who was the creator or who is the creator? Jesus Christ. Who said, let there be light? Jesus Christ. The Bible makes it very clear. Jesus, let me show you. You look a little as though I need medication. So let me show you what I'm talking about. Go to Genesis 1-3 quickly. And then we'll go to 2 Corinthians 4-4. Four, four. Do you have Genesis 1-3? If I'm rushing you, tell me slow down. Preacher, slow down. Don't rush me. Don't rush me. I've had a hard day. Do you have Genesis 1-3 now? You have it? Read with me. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Stop. What did God say? Let there be light. All right. How many words? How many words? Four. Let there be light. Keep your mind. God spoke four words for the creation of light. Now, go to 2 Corinthians 4. Let's read verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Second Corinthians verse 4, verse 4. Second chapter 4, verse 4. Do you have that now? Read with me. For God who commanded the light. For 6, sorry. Verse 6. Read with me. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness have shined in our hearts. Who came to this earth? Jesus Christ. Notice what Paul says. God commanded the light. Now, listen to the four words again. Let there be light. What was that? A command. It was a command. Let there be light. It was Christ. You still don't believe? Go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Let's read from verse 1. Our subject coming and going. 11 minutes after 6. Do you have John 1? Verse 1, read with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Carefully now, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Go to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. Who was that? Jesus Christ. Jesus the creator, and only God can create. So Jesus is God. By that I mean he is divine. Now I say again, the God who spoke to Adam and Eve was Christ. The God who spoke to Noah was Christ. The God who spoke to Abraham was Christ. The God who appeared in the burning bush to whom? Brother Moses was Christ. The God who destroyed the Egyptian army in the Red Sea was Christ. The God who sent manna from heaven was Christ. And the manna represented Christ. The God who brought water from a rock was Christ. The God who provided a cloud of covering by day was Christ. The God who provided a, a pillar of fire by night was Christ. The God who sent ten plagues on Pharaoh was Christ. And that man who came down and walked this dusty Palestine and was hungry 
and thirsty sat on the well asked the woman for water was beaten spat in his face punched in his face that was god who said let there be light same man understand me carefully mary was pregnant with god ah you're not with me mary bread fed god Mm-hmm. And he went through all of that to deliver you and me from go. He wants to attract us to come. Coming and going. The gospel wants to get as many people as possible to come. Devil wants as many people as possible to go to join him in the fire. Christ wants to get you out of that fire. Let's go to Zechariah chapter 3 when I talk about Christ. Wants to get you out of that fire. Our subject, coming and going. Almost 6.15, please don't panic. You have Zechariah chapter 3. Let's read from verse 1. Zechariah sees a vision and he sees Joshua the high priest representing the Israelites. And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Finish the verse. Is not this a brand, come on, plucked out of the fire? Jesus wants to pluck you out of the fire. In other words, he wants to save you. Let's listen to the most popular verse in the Bible. You know what it is? What is it? John 3 is, say it without looking. Don't look at that Bible. Say it now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, slowly now, should not. Mm-hmm. There is hell in John 3.16. Should not perish, but... However, there is heaven in John 3.16. It would be unfair of God to withhold from us the knowledge of hell. We would say, why didn't you tell me? Warning. The warning of hell goes all the way back to Genesis 2.17. In the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God is the living God. Death. The Bible says Satan is the power of death. Hebrews 2.14. Christ has come to deliver you and me from the grasp of death because we cannot deliver ourselves. I'll talk about that perhaps tomorrow the night before. Let me say bluntly, you cannot save yourself. You can be decent. You can earn a degree or two. You can go through life never having gotten a traffic ticket, never having been audited, never having offended your neighbors, Past all your classes, you just go as a qualified person to hell. Because only Christ can save you. Most atheists are decent people, law abiding, but they're heading this way. Even some good people, here's what some good people say to God Lord God, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? This is a resume for salvation. And Jesus says, Depart from me, I never knew you. Because only Christ can save you. The moment you think your good life will save you, you have said to Christ, You are no longer necessary. My brothers and sisters, yes, Christ calls us to a certain kind of living. It's not the living that saves us. It is Christ that saves us to that kind of life. In other words, here's a man in the gutter. Christ comes to him. He says, come to me. The guy comes. He gives him a shower. Puts on a tuxedo. Tell now, live like a man in a tuxedo. Are you with me? Or he says another man, he says, uh, what's the problem? I'm broke, homeless. He says, come. I've deposited 10 million in your bank account, which has been zero for 15 years. 10 million. How do you think he'd live? Do you think he'd go back to the gutter? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Get some clothes, a house, a car, a plane, a submarine. He gets everything he needs. Because he has 10 million in the bank. And he lives that way. Christ has said to you and to me, in so many words, I have a place prepared for you. 
and you will reign with me. Meaning, I have a position of royalty for you. Let's read John 14, 1 to 3. Don't look, don't look, don't look. Don't look. <laughs> don't look. Let not your heart be troubled. Come on. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told. Paul, I like that about God. If it were not so, come on. I would have told you. If I wanted you to eat pork, come on. I would have told you. If I wanted you to marry three women in the same town, come on. I would have told you. Mm-hmm. I like that about God. I would have told you. If I had changed the Sabbath, I would have told you. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place. Stop. Who is I? Jesus Christ. We found out he's the creator. The one who made heaven and earth is preparing a home for you. The architect of the universe. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I am not sending someone for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself. This is personal with Jesus Christ. That where I am, there you may be also. Jesus misses his people. But he's up there. And we are here. That's not good enough. Even though we have the representative figure of the Holy Ghost, that's not good enough for Christ. Because you and I can't touch him. Can't put your arms around his waist. He wants that closeness. He wants to be close to you, not to your sin. Before that happens, he has to get the sin out of us. Are you following me? You see, when God first made the world, whom did he put in charge? I don't believe Go to Genesis 1.26 quickly, then I will let you go, I think. Genesis 1.26, quickly. Yes, do you have it? Do you have it? You ought to know it without looking. You have it? Nobody on this side answered me. You have it? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Let me pray again. Father, restrain me, please. Speak through me clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion stop. Dominion over the whole earth. Now, to whom did God give dominion over the world? Adam and Eve. Describe them at that point. Perfect. Give me another word. I heard it. Sinless. Listen to me carefully. When the world was first made, God put sinless people in charge. Now, is he going to make a new heaven and a new earth? Yes or no? What kind will he put in charge then? Sinless people. Because he doesn't lower his standards. To put sinful people in charge of the new world is to lower God's standard. And his standard is his character. But he's flipping the steps. The first time... He made the world first, then put people in it who didn't ask. Are you following me? They didn't. So he gave them a test. Do you want to stay in this perfect world? And they said no by their disobedience. This time he makes the people first. Mm-hmm. You choose to live in a sinless world. Is that what you want? Demonstrate by avoiding sin. When I've gotten that group, then I'll make the new world and put them in charge. Those will be the ones who will be coming. Those who will be going won't last very long. Because the flames of hell will reduce them to ashes. But the tragedy is God does not want to destroy one person. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men come slackness. But is long suffering to us word. Not willing that any should perish. But at all should come to repentance. Which is what Jesus preached. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 4 says of God who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. There's a verse in Ezekiel 33 verse 11. It is so sad. And the verse rings with God's frustration. Christ. Ezekiel 33 11. Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way. Turn ye, 
turn ye from your evil ways. Finish the verse. For why will he die? Or why have you chosen death when my desire for you is life everlasting? I told you Christ has chosen us for royal positions. Go to Revelation 5. Let's read verse 10. Revelation 5 verse 10. You have Revelation 5 verse 10. Read with me. And hath made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign where? On the earth. Mm -hmm. This is what God has in store for you. Let me close by taking you to Romans 8. We read 16 and 17. It's uh, 20 after 6. I hope to see you tomorrow night. Same time. Well, not same time. We start at 5. Tomorrow is 7 o'clock, I believe. 7.15, right here. Do you have Romans 8? 16, 17. Read with me. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Keep reading. If children, heirs, come on, heirs of God now and joint heirs with Christ. Stop. What is an heir? Someone who? inherit something from somebody else. The Bible says Christ is an heir. He will inherit something from the Father. But we are joint heirs with him. He has to wait until we join him before he gets what's coming to him. Because what's coming to him is connected to what we get. Can you say amen? We are joint. This is what Christ has in store for you. You're not joint heir with Joe Biden. He doesn't know you. But pray for him, please. You must pray for leaders, whether we like them or not. It's a biblical requirement. I'm not joint heir with Bill Gates. Oh, who's the other one with all the money in the universe? Jeff Bezos? There's another one, the older fellow. Uh, Warren Buffett? Or maybe my brother? <laughs> We're not, but Christ invites us to be an heir with him. Aye. It's a promise not given to angels, to us. And the tragedy is, nobody believes it. And God never has rewarded doubt. He rewards faith in the impossible. My brothers, my sisters, what's our subject? Coming? To which group would you like to belong? Coming. Because who's calling you? Jesus the King. The other group, depart. When you leave God, you leave life. When you come to God, you come to life. What did Jesus say? I am the resurrection and the life. John 5, 40, he told the Pharisees, and you will not come to me that he might have life. And the man or the woman who's not coming to Christ is going to the other fellow. You know who he is. Because we have two choices, Christ or Satan. Now, Satan may be represented by your job. That second woman in your life, or drugs, or pornography, whatever, destroying the life. It is simply a, a symbol of the master enemy of Christ, Satan. Come to Christ, eternal life. Go to Satan, eternal destruction. Not burning forever, destroyed absolutely. But I believe every one of you under the sound of my voice want to be among wants to be among the coming. Come ye blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You have a toothache? The dentist says, come, I'll fix it. Like that. Everyone would say yes. I have a friend. I've never met him. He writes me online. He has a problem. He bleeds from his mouth all the time. He's universal. And he writes me all the time. Pray and I pray. I pray, Lord, take away that affliction. Take it away, dear God, please. Another person writes to me, always bothered by malaria. I pray, Lord, deliver that person from malaria. We all want deliverance. But remember, Christ is Lord and God. He's Savior and Lord. Savior means he gets us out of sin. Lord means he has a right to our obedience. Many of us want Christ to be Lord, Savior, and then leave me alone. Let me, no, 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 no. He's both. Simultaneously. The moment he's Savior, he's Lord. 
and he has the right to tell you and me how to live our lives. And this is the manual for how to live a blessed life that begins now and extends into the life to come. How many of you want to be among the coming? Can I see your hand? You genuinely mean, stand up with me. I let you go. Come back tomorrow. Bring someone with you, please. You may save a life by just inviting someone. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you for the clarity of your word. And if I spoke badly, forgive me, dear God. And let your spirit clarify anything I may have said in a confused way. Father, every person under the sound of my voice and online wants to be among those who hear the king say, Come ye blessed of my father. Ah, God, but it does, Christ does not call us with sin at that day. He's calling us now to get rid of sin. And when he ushers us into the kingdom, then we will be sinless in his sight by his cleansing blood. Bless everyone who heard in person and online, dear God. If someone is struggling with surrendering the life to Christ who died for that person, give that person an extra measure of strength to make the intelligent decision and surrender that life to the life giver. As we leave, go with us, dear God. Bring us back tomorrow to this place to hear your word again. I pray in Jesus' name, let all God's people say, Amen and Amen. Before you sit, let me ask you this quickly. It is 2 minutes to 6.30. I want to keep my word. What will you take from the message? Raise your hand and tell me. This side. Too slow. That side. Raise your hand and tell me. What will... Yes. Repent. Yes. This side. Raise your hand and tell me. Back. Yes. <laughs> That's his specialty. Yes. He transforms lives. He can change an alcoholic. He can change an addict. He, that is his specialty. He saves people. Somebody else. Eternal life, a gift of God to those who? Uh-huh, yes. Blessed are the undefiled. Yes, sister. You want to be among those who come, and that's what Jesus wants. God bless you. Somebody else, raise a hand. Tell me what you'll take from the message. Someone else. Yes, sister. Oh, yes. God forgive. Micah 7, 18 says he delighteth in mercy and the greatest act of mercy is forgiveness. Yes, my brother. Ah, yes. I say it again. Obedience is life. Now give me the other side of that coin. Disobedience is death. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, take us safely. Let mighty angels escort us, Lord. Bring us back tomorrow. In Jesus' name, let God's people say amen and amen. I'll see you tomorrow, the Lord willing. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.